podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, it's Team Radio episode three. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, how you doing? And the bloke who didn't do his homework, Campy. Gentlemen. Here's the bus Look, as I'm you not, get put under it. I'm, I'm not wearing that. I did my homework. I was subscribed to F1 TV Pro last night at 10 o'clock when I got home and uh, watched the race, broke curfew. I had to. I was doing some stuff. So, yeah, but I'd watched it last night as if it was a normal Grand Prix weekend. So... Uh, well, you guys didn't do your homework, clearly. That's why we're uh, <laughs> oh not doing the race review. <laughs> the bigger issue is giving everyone else an opportunity to watch the race as well. Yeah, <laughs> and when you get like us. message at three o'clock in the afternoon, have you guys watched the race yet? No, because we don't know where to find it. Can't be part of your job is to find it for us. You're like, figure it out tonight. Tommy T's in bed going. Nope. Yeah, I've got to get up in like five hours, mate. There's no chance. Anyway, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, boys, because there's so many questions here. There's so many good questions. And, of course, we have uh, the US Grand Prix to look forward to this coming weekend. We also have Mizano Take Two for MotoGP and Extreme E Island X Prix. So it's going to be one of those dumb weekends for me where I do too many podcasts, but I cannot wait for the US Grand Prix. Tommy T, you watching it live in the roastery again? I think we might actually six o'clock start. Uh, you got to do it. A, yeah, that's a vibe. Actually, yeah, good. we're doing that. It's, yeah. uh, it was my favourite race. I think to watch with both of you last year uh, yeah. or the year before, maybe. Sorry, the year before, where we that's we it. sat and took over the screen in Common Folk Roasters like everyone else. Shush, customers were watching F one. Just be quiet. <laughs> Shut <please>. up. <laughs> yeah, watching Hamilton win again. Uh, that's all right. Look, uh, thank you to you for for watching and listening wherever you are. Uh, with this podcast, a massive shout out to you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. I keep banging on about it, but more of you keep doing it, and I'm super appreciative of it. As you know, we are serving the algorithm. Uh, we're not far off getting to a thousand subs by the end of the year. We're about 563 now. So genuinely appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to our Discord server, of course. It still goes on. Even though there's no racing, there's still plenty of conversations going on. Uh, if you haven't yet joined that, please jump across to do that. You can find the link in the description below if you're watching or listening, both in the same spot, same, same with our Instagram as well. Uh, look, boys, before we get into questions about uh, us and the sort of ask me anything vibe of team radio, I want to bring up uh, Johnny Herbert because this week he came out, or last week I should say, he came out uh, and just was no good about Daniel Ricciardo. And yes. look, as far as I'm concerned, he, Damon Hill and, and others are Ugh. in the bin. At least Damon won a World Drivers' Championship. Campy, <laughs> can you please give me your whole thoughts on one Johnny Herbert? Oh, Johnny Herbert, you know what, mate? I've got as many World Drivers' Championships <laughs> as you do. <laughs> Absolutely zero, mate. <laughs> you are... Uh, uh, look... I can understand the criticism of him, but to come out and say that his talent's just evaporated and it's mm. happened because he's 32, mate, you're a dickhead Brit and we hate you at the moment, all of you when it comes to F1, because you're so Lando Norris and George Russell focused, you know, it's the second coming of Christ for Formula One. <laughs> and, uh, hey, you guys are full of shit. The time will prove that you're not that good. Mm. There's better drivers out there. 
And I can tell you what, you're all going to be eating humble pie that I'm going to cook for you next year <laughs> when Danny Rick absolutely spanks Lando. Lando's come out and said, yeah, I don't like the car, the way it drives mm. next year. It's tricky. Danny Rick, he's going, oh, I've done this the last three years, adapted and changed to cars. I know how to adapt driving styles. He's going to get into that thing and absolutely romp it home. He'll still get another win this year. It's going to happen. And at the end of the year, he might not be beating Lando in the points department throughout the whole year, but we're going to sit back and we're going to go, Danny Rick got two wins in that car and Lando Norris did absolutely nothing. Therefore, he automatically had a better year. Now, Herbert, shut your mouth. Shit up. <laughs> I hope score sacks you. <laughs> I have nothing to add. That was perfect. That's actually, it's probably you the best rant you've done. There it is. <laughs> that was great. Uh, I just don't know. What, was he provoked? Why did he decide to come out and just go on an all-out assault on Daniel? What did he do? They're not. They're, like, they're not even comments that you need to make. Nah. We all know that he hasn't had the greatest year, but he's had a win. He's getting better. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, the races since that win, I mean, haven't gone McLaren's way. I mean, he got a good result in Russia and uh, last weekend in Turkey uh, when it was wet. I mean, track conditions, I mean, Lando wasn't even quick. So, But you need to look at the positives and not just the positives. I can understand people being critical, but to come out and say that his talents evaporated, you absolute... Like, it's not necessary. It's not needed. And if I'm Danny Rick, I'm just like, next time you ask a question, I'm going, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Thank you for keeping it PG. Can't yeah. be appreciated for the live stream. He's going to unleash, wasn't he? Uh, Tommy T, I listened to yet another podcast interview with Daniel Ricciardo this week, uh, another Australian podcast. They're not a Formula One-based podcast, but they are a motorsport podcast. I won't bother mentioning the names. I'll do you a favour and not <laughs> getting anyone to listen to it because it wasn't that good, although the names indicate that it should have been better than it was. Anyway, uh, it was a Dan Ricciardo interview. It was useless yet again. But one of the key points <laughs> that came out of it for me was Daniel saying, you know, you don't pay attention to the press as much as you can no, because you whilst it's an important part of Formula One to have media like us, and for whatever reason we form part of that. We're not, we're not media. Well, we form part of the circus in a lot of ways. I mean, we're, as you say, armchair experts, the couch callers that uh, <laughs> like to see how it is. And, look, we've got, mate, we've got a following at some point if you're – if you've been with us from the beginning or even if you've just been with us since uh, Daniel's win at Monza, it is great to have you here. And, of course, a lot of the reason is because we try to give everyone a fair shot of either being in or out of the bin. That's that's just the measure of how we have it. Yep. But, Daniel, you know, he hasn't really had the greatest years. And as he said, he's been able to – sorry, the greatest year. He's been able to sh uh, sort of shirk the negative media attention for pretty much all of his career up until this point. Yeah. And it was actually an interesting point because I thought, oh, yeah, uh, there hasn't actually been a yeah. time, even with his Renault change, even when his first, his start in Renault 2019 and the front wing came off the car because of that stupid service road that I'm sure Dan Andrews put there himself, uh, <laughs> ripped off the front wing of his car, it didn't matter. The, the yeah. media still loved him. But because now for the first time he's up against a British driver in Lando Norris, suddenly there is an, an opportunity, isn't there, for that kind of attention. Look, he said the reason why I said I never left was twofold, A, for me, uh, and sort of, you know, self-motivation, but B, for all of the questions that will come, which is did you know you're going to win, how do you feel about it, all that sort of other stuff, yep. he never left. He's yep. getting to grips with the car. So yep. it's whilst the interview as a whole was pretty rubbish, that little soundbite was very, very good, um, yep. and it's part of the reason of course, that we love the uh, Tommy T, isn't it? Yeah. Because he is just 
trying to be positive all the time. The guy's got a race win in his first year in a different car. I think that's tick. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a weird car to drive from all accounts. Carlos has mentioned that multiple times after having moved on. He's like, it's different, isn't it? He's like, why didn't you warn me how different it was? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know what we're expecting other mm. than like we've got a junior driver that's driven nothing else but this car doing well mm-hmm. in it. That's weird. That's bizarre that the, someone that's driven it for multiple years is has a better understanding of how this car is working and all the tweaks that Daniel's making are freaking him out and he's not liking. And all the way the car's developing next year just shows how much more versatile Daniel is and will be in that car like Campy's mentioned. I think – And it's imp- it's important to note too. Andreas Seidel came out and said when we sat down once we was finally in a McLaren shirt, he said what he likes out of F1 cars and everyone in the meeting would scratch their head and said – Geez, what you want in an F1 car is the polar opposite to what we put on track. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there is driving styles, but it's like trying to get a, uh, in AFL comparisons, it's like trying to get a ruck, a ruckman to play uh, in the wet and pick up the ball 300 times a game. I mean, he can do it and he's capable of doing it, but it's it's not where he's going to flourish, right? Yeah. And from what we understand, Daniel likes a, t- uh, a more front end darty car like Max and Lewis like, yep. which is what we know is championship winning drivers' cars. Mm. That is how mm. it works. The other styles just don't yield championships. They might get a, a win here and there. They might be more consistent, but they don't net wins. And you need to drive something that far on the edge. And that is what Daniel wants. He wants a car that he can throw up the inside and break <laughs> really late on. And that's obviously one thing that he struggled with at Renault and now at Renault and now at McLaren. There it is. That, <laughs> that is what he's looking for. And they're going, oh, that's not what we've got. We've got this kind of yeah. good all-rounder, middle-of-the-pack kind of and suited to these previous drivers we've had and mm. little tweaks they've liked. It's not set up to be this absolute knife-edge monster, which you need to win consistently at the front. Do you know what I think Sky F1 is really doing poorly? That's understanding their audience. Now, I understand, of course, their British bias because they're predominantly focused on their British audience. But Drive to Survive has done two things. A, it's obviously pushed Formula One, but it's pushed Daniel Ricciardo to be everyone in the United States' and Canada's favourite, yep. pretty much the world now as well, but the favourite Formula One driver over everybody else because of of how Australian he is and of how likable he is, of course, and all that sort of other stuff. Yep. I mean, he's on podcasts like uh, Smartless with... Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and yep. uh, it just interesting in Sean Hayes, like that kind of vibe now he's up here in terms of like this Hollywood kind of, not elite, but like the popularity. very well-known yeah. in, in popularity. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. When you have people who are pundits on Sky F1 saying that sort of stuff, not only does it damage, of course, our thought process about how you know credible they are, but it also damages the brand that they've got in these other countries, yep. especially the US because ESPN – uh, piggyback Sky F1 like Fox Sports does here as well. And they're just like, it just to me doesn't, it's not a smart business thing, Campy. Does that sound like a, a stupid thing to say out loud? But they're not even thinking about where they're being shown outside of the UK and going, all right, well, maybe we should strategically pick who we talk about. Oh, look, I don't want to continually sky bash because I think the product they put out a lot of the time is is 80% there in the professionalism. It's the, 20, the 20% that we've seen creep in. Um, like these old dad-like jokes and this quirky sense of humour that someone in HR is like, yeah, that's what the young kids like. They like these quirky <laughs> sense of humour. And it's like, no, not really. <laughs> uh, you know, it's – and I look, I watched the Danny Rick race from 2014 and like just the way that 
the the commentators, you could notice the change and mm. the, and the difference from back then. And now I think I understand things grow and evolve, and they try and tweak mm. it to get it right. But um, yeah, look, oh, look, I just, I'm sick of the dr bashing because. Like Norris ain't that good yet. He still hasn't done anything. And yeah, Daniel struggled. We all know that. I think that's the first thing people have said all year, but don't ever count that dude out because he's the only guy that's ever gone toe to toe and beaten Max Verstappen. And when, when Max gets to the end of his career and he's doing a podcast 15 years on, he's going to go, Daniel was the dude that beat me really early on when I was a young driver. He taught me a lot, showed me a lot. We pushed each other, but he got the best of me for the two, you know, for the mm-hmm. two and a half years before he decided to move on to Renault. And then after that, I mean, we know about the problems they had mechanically in that car, but, you mm. know, Max can go, Max is going to attribute a lot of his learning and, and being pushed by Daniel Ricciardo. So, look, I think we need to keep it in perspective and, uh, yeah, man, Herbert's comments just. <laughs> Sorry, Good. Sorry, James. Get your pen out. That was 14, 14 minutes, mark, 20. Mark it. <laughs> Every time. I don't even know where my pen's gone. I didn't even prepare. I thought you were going to be good. Uh, no, but the thing is, we're going to get to Melbourne next year if we get it. I'm still, I'm still very sceptical about whether we get a race next year. Well, we'll talk about Melbourne. that. It'll be one of the questions yeah, we will, coming up. You know, the proof will be in the pudding. The fans are just going to laugh at Herbert whenever they see him. So. <laughs> Don't they already? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about questions and we'll get into it. Thank you to you for, as I said, either going to our Discord server and dropping them in the team radio server part there or for uh, sending it through on Instagram. I really appreciate it. Of course, we've got uh, wrong answers only. Uh, why didn't Campy do his homework coming up at the end of this podcast? But... Let's uh, let's start with the, the right answer from Brace Animal. I have a question. Why didn't Campy do his homework? You had one job. I did. I did do my homework. <laughs> These boys shafted me. <laughs> but I'm calling them out. This is what I deal with. We would never and do we that. Literally had come just, on. We literally had a discussion before. Like, oh, come on, Campy, just play your role. Come on, <laughs> people who expect you not to have watched the race don't and been in control up. and don't. Don't Jeez, make things shit. up. Jeez, you're, putting, totally you're putting right. lots of words in other people's <laughs> mouths. <laughs> mouths, mouths. What a uh, what uh, a hard the, thing. Thanks, Brace. The Devil. tables of turn. How the turntables? Oh, mate. Tommy and I have have carried this podcast for neon 15 years. We've had to carry the weight and all we asked you to do was pick a race that we could watch easily and you're like, well, this is the race we're doing and the then we didn't hear boo out of watch. you until <laughs> oh, Sunday well, night. Hey, Two weeks you've had. As, for as bad as I am about technology, well, I found it and I got it. How well, was the, the race To be honest, that, the, Discord, anyway. the Discord found it for you, I'm pretty yeah. sure. There's a shout-out to whoever it was who said, uh, oh, I found it here. These were How was, was the race camp? Ben. Oh, look at Maybe we need to reassess about what race we're going to do a race review on. It was awesome because Daddy Rick won, but, yeah, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. Right, Tommy it wasn't T, crash. how about you and I choose the next race, uh, yes. the classic race review, where we can actually watch it? We'll pick and one that's on KO boys, maybe. If you, yeah, I think that's boys, on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. If you, if you boys ask me for my F1 TV login, I'll tell you what, I'll be screenshotting and send it to everyone. Yeah, you school. should just put it and see what happens. No one else see, on the- no one See else how many screens can log in. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be it. worth it. Uh, let's uh, let's keep going. Zach from Pennsylvania. Uh, do any of the three of us have sim racing setups? Campy, your gaming setup is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's world class. I'll give you a hot tip. It's non-existent. <laughs> I think Campy's got the original games. Xbox still, and that's it. 
yeah, plays the original PS1. Card. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I had my gaming days when I was a student for a few years and, <laughs> you know, worked one day a week and played COD for- Did you have dreadlocks <laughs> at the time? <laughs> and wear those, like, real hempy-looking Which socialist things? university did you go to? <laughs> uh, look, I, look I, believe it or not, I clocked up 72 playing days on uh, Modern Warfare 2 oh, back in the day. So <laughs> I'm not unaccustomed to being a gamer, but when I finished, uh, finished uni, I thought, geez, Knock that on the head, and uh, you got to grow up now. And I haven't played it since. And, so you, and when you are you planning on growing up, uh, Tommy T? Have you <laughs> have you got a setup? No, I don't. And if, if I can't get a good one, I won't get one. I think yeah, that's, that's the issue. If you're going to get an entry level one, it's useless, and you're better off with a controller or a mouse and keyboard. So if I can't spend thousands of dollars, I'm not going to spend anything and just stick to my controller. I think. Yep. Hey, but if there was one on offer that you could pick up for a oh, couple of grand, I'd be like for sure. a good one. You'd probably go, I'll give this or a crack. Or it could be like old mate Rick Kelly and just build one out of timber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me you don't care about driving anymore without telling me you don't care about driving anymore. That's what that was. In his defense, he, he did a he ripping job. He was like, I'm not paying for it. I'm going to build it. Yeah, and then he got all this <laughs> stuff nice. bloody given to him by Harvey Norman, didn't he? Yeah. There's a there's an unintentional shout-out to a company. Uh, well, look, I, I'm the same as you, Tommy T. There is um, – Alex Baxter, who listens to this podcast and who I went to school with, put me in touch with a Melbourne manufacturer of sim racing setups. The name has just escaped me, uh, but they provide the official racing sims for the Alpine team. So shout out to a small business in Melbourne supplying the guys over in France for that. That's cool. Um, I'll find the link and I'll add it to the Discord. But um, if like in terms of your price range, boys, it's in it. Um, But it's, it's all Melbourne made as far as I can understand. Zach, I probably want to get a combo flight sim setup and driving setup because I have flown gliders and planes. Not that I've ever ever got to the point of getting my license, but I've done a lot of that sort of stuff, and I really want to get into Microsoft yeah, Flight Simulator at some point too. Flight sims are cool. Yeah, so I second that. So I mean, but it is. Have you done a solo flight? No, I many many reasons why, but the, the only reason is I never had my medical in time, and by the time I could get it, it I had just moved on with my life it's flying's very expensive powered flight is very expensive gliding though there's a lot of gliding in the uk for a bit and it was incredible that just the best and most scary fun you can have in the air because i won't i did it i did a two-seater one in uh central otago and around mount cook and lake Tekapo. and i'll tell you what I didn't read the horror stories that they have with gliders in New Zealand because they're quite popular, but that was probably hands down one of the most incredible things I've ever done. So quiet, isn't it, as well? uh, It's quieter than room temperature it is. And, yeah, there's nothing Uh, between you and the outside. (laughs) Oh, it was just super cool to learn about, like, the pressure systems in the air and how they come off mountains and up and down. You can go with it and essentially fly for hours at a time just on nothing as long as you start up there. So, Did you get towed uh, up? Very cool. Or did you get yeah, slingshot towed up? up yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's, that's keeping it behind an aeroplane whilst flying is an interesting vibe. But anyway, great, Zach, great question. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, Adam asks, an interesting chat would be the race to 2022, i.e. who has switched off and who can't uh, – who – this isn't really written very well. Sorry, Adam, if I'm buggering. It's probably on me reading it. Uh, Haas never switched on, uh, so they must be leading <laughs> Williams. Can now easily uh, alpha, not so much, then the big middle pack. All right, well, so let's just rephrase who's, who's that say, for next year. Who's, who's just yeah. switching off completely at the very back of yep. the pack? Uh, Haas, I think, switched off before we even had any racing Tommy yep. T this year. Yep. Williams has obviously made some gains. I think an alpha is probably somewhere in the middle. Would that be fair? 
Yeah, I think so. It's, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because all we're hearing is development for future. I think you'd probably put Red Bull at the back of those top teams would be one thing I've I've noticed. They're going pretty hard at this year. You, we thought Mercedes were going hard for next year, but maybe not so much. Hmm. I think oh, it's so hard to tell, isn't it, Campy? Oh, no, you've got to remember, these rules are supposed to come at the start of the year. So yeah. every team has done development yep. on this car to a point. And then with COVID happening in Australia in 2020 and, and that event being cancelled, and then we didn't know it was happening with the rest of the year, when they decided to have a season last year or whatever that looked like, and then this year they actually put a freeze on all development from last year. So every team started and got to a point. Um, I think the proof will be in the pudding about – I mean, the honesty system was we've got to be honest about that'll uh, work. You know, in the off season and this year, how much development they do. We know about like the restrictions on wind tunnels and stuff, but I call BS. Look, there's yep. teams out there that have been working on this out in a factory in the middle of nowhere. Ferrari, I'm calling you out. Whoa. You cheat everywhere possible in my allegedly. Opinion. <laughs> They've been consistently, and I think most teams would have been doing some work on the car right throughout the whole of the COVID last year and this year mm. as well. So um, they've had a bit more time up their sleeve, but this honesty system and teams wouldn't be touching it for, you know, a freeze on development for 12 months. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it, F1, it, ain't, it just ain't going to happen. There's no way policing it properly, is there, really? Well. That's the problem. Um, That's why they ask well, the honesty uh, system. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, interesting interesting question, Adam. Sorry for misreading it, but, yeah, I think Haas definitely the, the team who was certainly switched off. I think Red Bull definitely switched on for this year to chase this World Drivers' Championship, mm. much like the end of the last era that we had before Turbo yep. Hybrid. I think McLaren's probably somewhere in the mid-pack. I mean, obviously the Mercedes power unit changes, Campy has said many times, has used a lot of their development tokens. But they've had a couple of tweaks of the car, which has obviously made Daniel a little more comfortable. But... If I was them, I'd be putting all of their effort and attention now going forward from now yeah. into next season, um, although the, the championship battle for third with Ferrari is still a little bit spicy. So there is obviously some advantages to be gained there in terms of prize money. But, uh, Campy, do you think others like, you know, Alpha Tauri and Alpine are sort of half-half? Oh, no, the a lot of the back market teams, particularly Alpine, I mean, with the start of the year they've had, we knew they'd be fast on some tracks, but the start of the year was rubbish. Aston Martin was rubbish too. I think they would have packed in pretty early mm. um, on development for this year's car, so everything's looking forward to next year. I mean, I, I know they've – I mean, most teams have already got sims set up for next year, um, and it's just how accurate their, their computer models will be lined up in the sims that they run. But we won't find that out until you get a – you know, until you get a, a test day, really, yeah. where they can run some cool things off the car to figure out what's real and what's not to correlate it. But I think, yeah, I think you'd be surprised how far along a lot of these teams really are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's. I'm so looking forward to just getting out of this era of cars, though. To yeah. be perfectly honest, like it's the racing's good, and obviously we're coming down to the wire now. It's but you know, it, it's going to be an interesting time. Next year. Uh, all right, let's go to our next question. Thanks to you for that one. Uh, Mel asks, F1 dream job? Go. Campy, what is your F1 dream job? Race director. Race director. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Okay. Uh, 
Elaborate. I actually don't know how I feel about that. I mean, are you going to turn it into the Hunger Games? What's going on? Or Squid Game? Uh, <laughs> Squid. I haven't watched Squid Game, but it just looks like the worst show of all. Classic time. too. You'd be the kind of person to watch it with English dubs as you well. Would, you wouldn't, wouldn't go. You? You wouldn't go OG Korean with subtitles. Yeah. Uh, all right. If I if really? race director, see, look, no idea. Race director, uh, PT. Oh, I think I'd want to be in like the marketing department. Okay, in the design space. Yeah, not so much in the graphic design, but the overall creative direction. I think so much. I'm sick of looking the same old kind of F1 styled graphics everything's going to mm. like be swooping and fast and i don't know everything just looks like a racetrack all the time or yes a computer game i think we can do something different it doesn't always have to be that same known motif but i think there's a lot of different stuff that will happen in that space going forward so look at look at what daniel ricardo's like brand is bringing out all his yeah. merch and stuff is always interesting and different i think that's the way f1 should go absolutely Not just the same old same old yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Uh, there's probably no surprises here for, for what job I want, and that's just presenting slash hosting Formula One for a weekend. Not commentating. Really? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of that. I'd much rather do the Simon Lazenby, Will Buxton on F1 kind of vibe. I thought you were going to um, be the guy with the clipboard weighing the cars. That was no, me. I want to be the guy with the clipboard weighing the drivers, <laughs> pulling them away from celebrating with their teams prematurely and going, we need to go and stand over there on this thing. It's very there important. a bigger pest than that guy? <laughs> oh, you'd be good at that job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am a squid. Is that correct? Yeah. No. No, no. Uh, we're, all squ- we're all squids at art, aren't we? But thanks, Mel. Uh, Should we do a rip off of Squid Game with Camby? As uh, like, genuinely, genuinely would love that because you'd have absolutely no idea what was going what on. Is. The Australian version with like handball and like those kind of games. Campy's face in the little like honeycomb thing you have to cut out. (laughs) It'd just be be an oblong (laughs) with a skirt like Bart Simpson kind of hair. (laughs) Then you can put a beanie over the top. Blank. He's lost. We're talking gibberish to him. Can't can't do. Do you actually? Do you actually have jobs? Do you (laughs) you do this shit? Get a get amongst pop culture, mate. Mate, we can't we can't all be rich kids with NASCAR dads, okay? Yeah. Uh, this is a follow-on question from John Paul in the uh, live stream, and he says uh, he asks rather, "Have you ever thought of doing a live stream on YouTube while a race is on and trying your hand at a bit of commentary?" I think I've just answered half of that question. Tommy T, would you try a hand at commentary? I would, but I think the logistics don't make it work, do they? Because of the delay. Yeah, well, That's WTF1 do try and do this, and for me it never, ever works out yeah. quite so well. We'd and love to have a crack, but I think, yeah, just how do you do it? How do you delay your thing enough? Slash also, how do we not get in trouble for simulcasting? Well, there is that. Well, I mean, and this is even delayed. Whatever we're talking now is about two or three seconds delayed to the live streamers yeah. as they see it. But And that's part of the issue. The, the bigger issue, I think, is... Talking about Formula One in a be great. pre or a post tense, fine, mm. but actually commentating, like it is to give credit to, you know, the dad joke king himself, it is <laughs> difficult to do. Oh. Um, and I just don't think I'm probably very good at it. Campy, what do you think? Um, oh, you, if you were going to do it, you'd have to set it up like Joe Rogan's Fight Companion. Not that I'm a fan of the UFC, but I've listened to some of his Fight Companion podcasts where it's on in the background and they're just mates talking and shit talking when the, you know, I mean, there's an eye on it and they're mm. having conversations around. I think that's the way you got to yeah, set it up. Yeah, maybe more but, director's commentary style. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, if people want it, I'm happy. Like, we'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, it might be I'm like happy a, to give it a – Maybe doing a classic happy. race or something. But the problem is it's really hard doing this like, on computers and looking at face-to-face sometimes. When you're not in the same room, I think it could work. But just logistically at the moment with COVID and the way we've had to do things, it's just yeah, – it ruins the vibe a bit that we have together sometimes. I think you can only do something like that in the room. So when uh, when it all goes back to normal, yeah, fingers crossed. Can confirm hearing can't be live can, choking we can give it to a, death is better than – Separated by distance over Zoom. <laughs> yes. Can confirm. It's always better than the real thing. Oh, that is so true. Uh, but no, I think you're right, Campy. I mean, look, we've, I think many of our listeners would agree too that we found a good rhythm to be where we are now from a remote podcast point of view. And obviously, me moving away has made that a little harder. But even compared to the first couple of podcasts we did last year remotely, this is now flowing a lot better. Uh, sure. But even if yeah. it's just you two in a room. Um, with me remote, that still just adds a, a different element. Anyway, John Paul, look, happy to yes. give it a crack. Well, when me and Tommy did the podcast by ourselves, that was the best, podcast. The best podcast. Oh, probably, years. sure. Didn't I end up Hands editing down. that as well, or did you edit that, Tommy T? I yeah, don't absolutely. No, I didn't you do did. it. You was, no, yeah, you I had, had to listen. That's right. I had to listen to you two having a crack at me and have, well, I had the editorial <laughs> ability. We were pretty light on, I think. Yeah, we were tame. It doesn't stop. We treated you like the princess that you love to be treated like. Thank you. Obviously. Still looking for my writer. I rock in. I'm like, where's all of you know? Where's my non-natural wine? <laughs> you got natural wine? Put it in the bin. That's where it belongs. Natural wine's uh, delicious. Come on, man. Mark. It's nat- what's a natural wine? That's terrible, is what it is. Um, I think it's laziness in in winemaking. Um, let's let's keep moving. Mark uh, asks, uh, he, is this a better situation for Piastri Alpha as the second driver, knowing they have uh, Tio Porcher in their academy? Um, that's something Piastri isn't part of, or as a reserve driver in Alpine, holding out a year and then coming into a full-time seat in 2023 once Alonso presumably retires. We've talked a little bit about this, Mark. I think you asked this question a couple of weeks ago, so apologies it's taken a little bit to get to this. But, Campy, let's start with you. What is the better situation? Is it the Alpha second driver seat for a year before Tio Porcher potentially comes in or is it Alpine reserve with a 2023 Alpine full-time seat? Um, I think... <laughs> The Alpine seat is a better seat than uh, the Alpha um, being number two. I just – my problem with that seat, though, is that um, – is Alpine have signed off onto a long-term deal? What did you get? Four years? And it's just like – Another three, years three years for three. no reason. Why would you sign this guy for another three years? That's the issue for me. Um, because I don't think Alonso, if, he, if Alonso gets into a car that he likes and he's got a sniff, he's going to go back to them and go, well, why would you bring me back at 40 for just two years to help develop? Like, you know, I wanted a shot at this and now I've got a shot and, you know, I want to be a three-time World Drivers Champion with Renault, you know, over across a couple of decades. So I can I can see it looking going worse for Piastri if he does, um, if they do have a good car next year. But I think at some level we've just got to have faith in Mark Webber that he's uh, he's well-respected within the paddock. He's, he's, he's 
come up through the sport the hard way. He knows how the system works. He knows how managers work. I mean, he worked with Flavio. As flamboyant as Flavio could be, they're big boys with big balls and they don't mess around when they're doing business too. So I think Mark's got that experience. Um, he's still in contact with him, uh, you know, a bit of a mentor in that aspect too. So I just think we've got to trust that Weber's got Piastri in the right hands and we will see him in F1 at some stage if he wins F2 this year. And I think he will. Um, but I don't want to see him out of a drive for 18 months either before he steps in. I just think it could be detrimental. But he'll be fine. He's uh, he's world class, that kid. So I'd, 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 it'll work out for him. What do you reckon, Tommy T? I mean, the likelihood, Mark Webber's even said on the F1 Nation podcast last week, the likelihood is we're not going to see Piastri in Formula 1 until 2023 in that Alpine seat. But if uh, if what we talked about last time with Andretti taking over uh, Alfa Romeo, and of course yeah. the reason I think why Guan Yu Zhou hasn't been announced yeah. yet is because of that potential merger mm. without any real American drivers ready to go, um, unless they bring <laughs> unless they bring Grosjean back from their <laughs> IndyCar team into Formula One, which would be interesting and a hell of a story, but probably not he that great. Come back. No, I know, yeah. but there, you know, is there potential for them to go? Well, we can look at bumping Logan Sargent up to F two next year and then bringing him to F one the year after that, which means we need you know an interim driver in in Oscar Piastri. Mm. Is is that going to be better or think, is it reserve drive? I think they're going to look for the personality thing as well because he does have the more uh, like happy-go-lucky style that the Americans will tend to rather than the very serious kind of Euros, I think. Uh, he's probably more approachable as the Australian, and we've seen how that's gone for Daniel. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. I think I'm with Camby. I think that that Alpine seat is probably more attractive as a reserve driver, knowing that that's the academy you've been working with. You know the team. You've been in and around the, the factory and kind of that thing. The culture is something that you've grown up in somewhat. So I think that is probably the more attractive, even though it is not driving a car. But like Camby said, if you're in doing sim practice, you're doing all those kind of things all the time and you're in and amongst it, I think it'll actually help way more than going somewhere completely new, different and potentially not performing. That could be almost more dangerous than taking you out, I think. Yeah. The other thing too is the alpha seat with – with Valtteri there, I think yep. that seat becomes more attractive mm. and a better option mm. as Valtteri's a teammate as opposed to an Alonso or an Ocon. And you know what? If I had to put my money where my mouth is, I'd probably prefer Piastri to go and do his apprenticeship under someone like a Valtteri Bottas. Yep. Um, so well, we can we know what Valtteri's like and what he gives us on track and how good he is. Yep. Um, and I just think that would be perfect for yeah. for Oscar. So, I mean, there's still a chance he gets on the grid next year. I mean, it's getting slimmer and slimmer. But if Andretti buys it out, they're obviously cashed up and they're not looking for a paid driver exactly. for next year. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, you know, that's where, that's where it comes in. I just uh, think the longer you're out of a car and not racing on a Grand Prix weekend, I mean, I've said it before, but the um, uh, the McLaren dude, what's his name? Jeez, Stoffel Van Dorn. Stoffel. I mean, <laughs> you can see it turning into that 
that category yeah, yep. of driver mm. really quick if he sits out for a few years and doesn't get consistent drives in F1. But, uh, yeah, it'll be trust interesting Mark to Weber. see. Trust the process. It'll be interesting to see if he doesn't get the seat next year how well Albon does in Williams because he's probably, yes. you know, well, he's the mark, isn't he, of someone. But yeah. he did drive a Formula 1 car before. Anyway, there is no one like mm. it. Just to follow up my own point with actually, <laughs> no, that yeah. was a terrible <laughs> point. Uh, let's move on. Jim from Geelong asks, Campy, I would love a list of who is currently in the bin, who is in the recycling bin and able to re-emerge and who is just never coming out of the trash because if I could Whoa. take Yuki to my local tip and put him under tons of trash, I would. <laughs> Jeez, lads. Yeah, look. Uh, is Yuki in the Gasly's proper bin? Just, Gasly's in the bin for me. Proper bin. Um, yeah, he's just he's been in there since podcast since day one. He's wow. my whipping boy. I've never rated him. He's getting some good results, but he's he's just in the bin for me. I can't me wait for you to meet face out. to face and you explain uh, that to him. Massey's in the bin. Massey's in the bin. Uh, big time. So I think uh, the Discord's been having a crack at you and saying, you do realise that Michael Massey doesn't give out penalties and things uh-huh. like that. Well, how, what do you, how do you oh, respond do? to that? He's the chief race director. Yeah, but he's not, a, he's not the steward. No, he makes the calls, mate. Don't do this, crap. <laughs> <laughs> if he if he puts his foot down, then uh, yeah, look. that got him. It did. It's like actually breaking him a little bit. I don't know what to say to that. Actually, no, he's in the bin. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> he's he is the face of it. He's the public man. Oh, I had to think about that. He's the. Uh, yeah, he's in the bin for me. He's done a terrible job since Mr. Well, Charlie can, Whiting left. Yeah, well, track limits is one so. thing that he's been used to sign, hasn't he? Let's be honest. The inconsistency yeah, of so track limits, Look, what they're But he could be recycled because he's Australian, so we're loyal. Um, <laughs> he could be recycled. But, we're not James, sure. in saying that, really enjoyed that conversation you had with uh, Scott Elkin. Yeah, what a dude. On uh, Extreme E. If you haven't listened to that, not that I want to, you know, overplug Jim. It is, I'll tell you it what, is a good chat. It is a cracking interview and well worth a listen. And it was a, I mean, you guys were sensational too, but gave me a bit Thanks, of insight mate. into what goes on behind the closed door. And uh, uh, cracking podcast, sensational chat. So, uh, as to the bin, who's in the recycling bin? Who can come back out? Uh, look, I don't know. I just make this stuff up on the spot. <laughs> no, I can't. I couldn't tell you what I said three weeks ago, <laughs> let alone what I was thinking last Friday. And what about? And that's what. But that's what you guys like. I sort of make it up on the spot. And I, there is a lot that I, you know. What about the Aston Martin drivers? Where do they sit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into Mr. Joel Ozindo's question, isn't yeah. it? All right, well, let's. Yeah, where do they sit? I, look, I very much. James, read out the question. Yeah. I very much appreciate the effort. This is, this is a large this old question. It's when I read it last night, I actually went, he may have a point. I have to think about this. So ask the question first, Jim, and we'll have a chat. All right, here we go. Joel from Indo in Indonesia. In Indo in Indonesia. Probably Jakarta in Indonesia, James, you moron. Uh, <laughs> I'm very interested to hear people's opinions on Lance Stroll this season. I note that there is some good-humoured sledging on the pod about him. Uh, there we go, as we know full well. If we remove the fact that Lance is a pay driver and our general bias against such drivers, what do you think of his performance? Uh, Joel has put together both Stroll and Vettel's results for 2021, and I'll read them out in just a moment. 
Lance beat Vettel in 10 out of 16 races. I've included Seb's disqualification in Hungary as a win for Seb over Stroll, which is fair enough too, I think. I mean, in terms of the fuel issue, that wasn't his fault. Lance's points deficit to Seb is only nine. If Lance's tyre hadn't blown up in Baku, the deficit would likely be much lower. I suppose you could also argue that if Seb wasn't disqualified in Hungary, it would be higher. I think many would agree that they're the best and most accurate comparison of the abilities of two drivers is if they're teammates in the same machinery. Absolutely. We still have to see what happens next year and for the rest of this season. However, at this point in 2021, Lance, a 22-year-old kid, has beaten Seb, a four-time world champion, in 10 out of 16 races this year. In my humble opinion, in the first 16 races, I think Lance has done a pretty decent job. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. Do you think Stroll gets too much flack for being a pay driver and this causes bias against him or do you think it's deserved and Seb is easily a better driver than him? Look, I won't read out all the results because 10 out of 16, we can kind of know where we're going from. But if you're interested in seeing them, you can jump across to our Discord server because Joel's question is in there as well as a bit of uh, backwards and forwards in the general chat section where he originally posted this question and, and a massive shout out to you if you've put some opinion there as well. But Campy, let's start with you because it is a, it's a very well put together question, Joel. Thank you for your yeah. effort. Um, and indeed, uh, this is a really interesting topic, mate. Um, yes, I think he's right. I think, I mean, look, I want to preface this by saying if you are driving F1, you are no dud. You don't buy these. It doesn't matter how much money your dad's got, how much money you've got behind you. You are not getting a drive in this car if you cannot. If if you're if you're just a Joe Blow like you and me, I mean these guys are. I mean Mazepin for me, he's still in the top, you know, half of one percent of drivers in the world. He's that good, um, and you just don't get to where you are without showing some talent. Um, Stroll does cop flack for being a pay driver and his dad buying in the team. That is totally real. Um, is it fair? I think at times it's fair, but he, as I've said before, he, he used to show, not this season mm. so much, but he's shown glimpses of putting a pole in Turkey last year in the wet, got a podium in his maiden year. Um, he's shown glimpses. I mean, he started on the front row in Monza. He, sh- he showed glimpses at least once a year where he's had this massive standout drive where he's been driving well. I think last year, the first half of last year against Checo, he was sensational, but then dropped off considerably. There were some reasons to that. The kid's got talent and he's got something. The problem is the way he's perceived in media just because of his dad is, but he doesn't give you anything either. The guy to talk to is just like, yeah. when you can't, oh, show me something. <laughs> give me something to hang my hat yeah. on. So doing what we do where, yes, there's – role-playing and we're trying to make people laugh and say funny stuff and, you know, that's the easy joke to take about it. I'm, I think it's warranted, yes, but at times, no. Um, as for this year and the seasons he's had, I was surprised that he'd beaten Seb that many times. Uh, so I was surprised it was 10-6. But looking, looking at the results, Seb struggled with his car when he first got in it. And he was saying, you know, after you know, a limited testing and all that stuff, having, you know, three sessions, three uh, morning sessions in a test before you jump into racing in a new team, it's not ideal. Where it has been sort of two weeks and unlimited laps, he, he 
they were constricted this year, but it seems to me like you had four really poor races at the start of the year and then you hit Spain. Uh, sorry, hit Monaco. He put it together in Monaco and he went on a tear. I think he went fifth in Monaco and then he got his his, his second the week after. I think he got a seventh race and he beat Stroll, you know, three times on the trot. So I think if you take the first four races out, brings it back to a pretty comparable season. The difference between the two this year has been, you know, the top fives that Seb's getting. I think he's got five. I mean, I know he got DQ'd in one, but we'll include that in there. Mm. So when there is performance in the car on tracks where the car can exceed and get good points, that's where Seb is doing better than Lance. Whereas Lance, he's actually been pretty consistent overall. But he's not getting those top fives. I think his best finishing position seventh for the whole year. So um, it is it, – it's an interesting point, but I just – that's where the criticism comes from. <laughs> is he frozen? Uh, I think we just lost him. He's done. Yeah, really. His eyes have rolled back in his head. There yeah. we go. Campy, sorry, mate. We lost you there for a moment um, and you also froze with your <laughs> eyes seemingly rolling into great. the back of your head. But, uh, but yeah, so just, sorry, just to, to summate one more time, mate. You, your overall your summation point, the thought of Lance overall. Oh, right. So Lance overall this year, Seb's got the, the top fives and Lance has struggled at times to get the best out of the car when the car is performing. Um, he's been yep. somewhat consistent in the sense that when he's getting points, he's in that 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. And I think that's where the comparison comes for us. Because they are a mm. team that we don't follow yeah. religiously. It's like when we watch a race, we're watching Danny Rick and we're constantly looking at the timings to the driver's head, how he's going, how he's dragging. There's some drivers and some teams that, you know, like Aston Martin this year who aren't factoring into a lot of our our watching. So I think that's where the yeah. perception comes that um, Seb's not doing well. But if you take those first four races out, it's pretty comparative. Well, so – my thoughts are, I think when you look at the qualifying, it's completely flipped. It's the other way. It's seven to four in qualifying in Seb's fashion. And I think this comes down to a lot of the race results is that Stroll is just doing the alternate strategy, racing against back markers with no real risk. And if it comes off, it comes off. Whereas mm. Seb's qualifying in the meat of that mid-pack and actually having to run that race against those guys and cover people off and do all those things. He doesn't have the luxury of – doing a random strategy and, and running his own race. He's literally in in the thick of it, whereas Stroll's coming from behind nothing to lose. So he's only got – With tire choice. He can take all those risks and do something a bit different. Exactly. And he can do all those things. Whereas I think it, it, that'd be the story I'd look at is to look at the qualifyings and how many times uh, Stroll has missed out on a whole queue basically compared to his teammate – uh, where the other one's gone through. That, that would be interesting to me. So who got out of Q3, who got out of Q2, who got into Q, like, do you know what I mean? And who actually got through and was actually fighting against the middle of the mid-pack, not at the back, mm. and basically just fending off those back marker cars. Because I think that's where it comes down. And we saw Checo be incredible at that in that car when he would make the best out of all those rubbish situations where he qualified. I think that is a lot of the reason why he's got all these consistent kind of eighth, seventh, kind of like in the points stuff from Stroll, but nothing even higher up than that. Spectacular, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's had nothing yeah. kind of grand, whereas you've had Seb get second twice, one of them taken away. Mm. Um, 
because he's actually fighting those fights in qualifying and then in the race if it comes off. Sometimes it doesn't because that car just isn't up to scratch. But if it's coming from the back with a bunch of downforce bolted on to overtake cars because you've got nothing to lose, completely different than actually trying to maintain track position, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Tommy Z, uh, and certainly worth remembering too of, of how strategy plays out yeah. uh, and, you know, issues that cars can have. And we know Seb is very good at having issues with his car, but certainly Lance generally is racing his own race and either is lucky with a safety car, as you say, does the alternate strategy and, and I'll put it later. Look, I think from my point of view, as you right, very rightly say, Campy, even people like Nikita Mazepin, they're not just here because they yeah. put money into the team. They've clearly been able to drive other formula cars for a period of time to get into this seat. And as much as we rag on all of them, none of us have any understanding of what it is like to drive a Formula One car. Not even close. Not even close. Not, as even, good as a, not even a race car. Yeah. Exactly. Not a, not as good as Tommy T is at go-karts and he's better than both better of than us. That you. was the last time. We'll do that at the beginning of next year, mate, just to have a – I'm going to go get some training. Anyway, but what happened to we don't neck? know. Obviously, armchair experts Shit. for sure. But Stroll, though, uh, has the ability and he did pretty well in F2 or GP2, whatever it was called back in the day. Right and he's he's had some good results in a car that was effectively a Mercedes. So, look, the yeah. guy can drive. Uh, he went from one in five now to being pretty rubbish and maybe that's a reflection of how the car is performing versus yeah. his actual level of performance, especially with teams like McLaren and Ferrari now stepping it up a lot higher than they were last year in comparison to the pink Mercedes. But, yeah, it's, an, it's a really interesting point. Look, if you want to contribute to this part of the conversation, please yeah. go to our Discord uh, on our general chat. Joel's question is in there. You'll be able to find it. But, uh, Joel, a massive thank you to you. You have consistently asked really, really good questions. Uh, there's another question in here that we will get to in a different podcast because it will take just as long. Uh, hmm. But it's a very, very good one as well, mate. So thank you for, for sending that through. Let's move on. Uh, Aaron asks, at the end of the 2019, sorry, at the end of 2019, Max said he reckoned 60% of the field would win the world championship in the Mercedes of that year. Who do you boys reckon could win a championship from the current drivers with machinery as much better than the competition as it was last year slash the year before? Who do we reckon? That's about right. Yeah. Yep. I think um, I'm trying to think who wouldn't. That's probably easier. Let's, question. Yeah, it's pick the 40%. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Who's think not? Nick, Yuki, Yuki, no. Yuki straight, both straight <laughs> there. Nick, Yuki and uh, Mazepin. I don't think they're there. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think so. The rookies are there. there. Yep. I don't mm-hmm. think he'd win. Um, I, I don't think Kimmy's still got it, unfortunately. In the best best machinery, I don't know if he's got championship winning It still. depends who the teammate is, right? So yeah, who's the teammate? Interesting. That, but let's just – on the proviso that you'd beat your teammate. I think, I think George. George would – yeah, he'd win it. George would do well. I don't think Latifi would as much as we like the, the nicest Canadian ever. <laughs> uh, That's a strong list. That's strong competition. Definitely. I think Alonso definitely. Yeah, I think. Yep. He's still a weapon. I think Seb still got o- it. O- I don't o- think Ocon. No. No. I think you're right though. I don't think Lando the field. would win either. <laughs> <You're a dick>. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, I think Sainz or Leclerc would be great. I think both the Mercedes current drivers would be great. And I think both Red Bull drivers would be great. Checo would be yep. interesting. 
he's probably on the fence really because we haven't seen him put it together in a top car. So well, we know what he can he do. Can't qualify well enough, even if he's got the best car. We can. We know what he can do in a 2020 Mercedes with a different. Yeah. You no know, paint on it. So I would suggest that he would probably have a good crack at it as well. Mm. And don't forget his junior years running yeah. around the McLaren was unfortunate timing for him, but yeah. he's very good at putting it where it needs to be. Obviously, yeah. Daniel. It's Obviously, Daniel. Very, I mean, oh, yeah. Very fair. He's the first that. one. <laughs> very fair. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and I think it's always about 60%. These drivers are championship capable winning They've got to be, right? Yeah. They have to be, I think. And if you're not, you're kind of, you know, your role, which is still elite and yep. world-class, but you don't have that next level of like, I will always beat the 10 but other you, people around me. You have to get into that attitude of, you know, yeah. like your Magnussen and Grosjean from last year. In fact, it was almost Perez of last year until he got this Red Bull contract after the last race. Yep. I mean, he's a guy who was never going into a top team again, had his opportunity with McLaren back in the day, but you know, that is a very rare opportunity. You think about people like Marcus Ericsson, Stoffer Van Dorn. I'm just thinking in recent history here yeah. as well. Um, Magnussen and Grosjean, those guys just haven't been able to break out of the bubble they're in. And you either got to enjoy the racing for what it is or you got yeah. to, and accept the fact you're never going to win either a race or a driver's championship. And it's got to be hard when you're... You know, at this level, wanting to push is, is hard all the time. So, yep. you know, I think Kevin Magnussen would have probably been part of the the crew that would have yep. won a championship I'd put as him well. In that too. I mean, look same at his, with Hulk. Look at his, look at his in there first too. drive at McLaren on debut, put it on podium. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No uh, Gasly, Gasly would win seventeen times out of ten, wouldn't he, yeah. Tommy T? Pierre Gasly would from the bin. He'd, be, he'd have the, the bin on the on the top of the yeah. the W nineteen. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, great question, Aaron. Thanks for that. <laughs> that was good. that was good. So uh, does that diminish Lewis's, you know, goat status? No, but because I think, I think Lewis would win in the third best car sometimes. Do you <laughs> well, know what I mean? Yeah, He's that yeah. good. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think we is. forget yeah. about his McLaren drive, oh, his first yeah. driver's championship. Like that was – and even you mentioned this in Turkey for his GP2 win in oh, Turkey back in the day. Oh, like you want to yeah. watch a master class, the guy yeah, – and look, yeah, yeah I mean – we can talk about it for years about, you know, best car and it's Lewis Hamilton and stuff. Yeah, I look, I think lots of drivers would have the same opportunity at, at winning if yeah. given the same car. All right, let's keep going. Nick from Melbourne. This is a great question, Nick, and it's uh, it's backed up by Tanner from Dallas. Uh, what's Campy's recipe for humble pie? <laughs> Campy? Uh, just try and stay, have you ever, stay humble, have you ever, I suppose. Have you ever baked anything in your life, mate? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's something to it. Yeah, I'm good. I do a mean uh, oysters kill Patrick, which is not bad. It's not baking. That's is not baking. baking. I'm talking no, about look. flour and oh, sugar. Can we please get campy on like a great Australian bake-off? Oh, celebrity, like that D, F grade celebrity. James, guess what list. we're doing when you come down? We're going to do a bake-off. <laughs> oh, 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 that is content. That is great content. I've survived for three weeks on my own. Yeah, Victorian. Courtesy of the 7 Eleven of sandwiches, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of four and 20s in the freezer. <laughs> sweet, eh, mate? <laughs> oh, we just typecast purely four and 20s and, and a six pack of VBs. 
Yeah, Double the green demons. That's all you need, eh, Campbell? This is always a few of those going. You can look, guys. If you join us next year, we'll talk about this next question. But if you if we end up having a race in Melbourne and we join us next year, we can guarantee that there will just be keg after keg after keg of, of beer that Campy will only drink, and that is Victoria Bitter uh, and Melbourne Bitter. If he's feeling a bit fancy, I uh, just don't which, like all that fruity shit that you boys drink. <laughs> <laughs> Taste what I uh, imagine feet would taste like if you picked up feet. What? It's all that. Oh, let's fail. Let's keep going. Imagine what feet would taste like. What a kind of sentence is that? Oh, uh, all right. Let's let's go, Dale from Alberta. Great to have uh, you listening, Dale. Thank you for for this question. Uh, and we have a little bit more to talk about about this now, but uh, Dale says, I've heard your Prime Minister suggest that international travel to Australia will resume in November. Should we be yep. optimistic that the uh, Australian Grand Prix will go ahead next year? Uh, Harry T, part of his question is, what are our chances of actually having the Grand Prix in Melbourne? Now, boys, we've moved to third on the calendar, which uh, gives us a little bit more time, of course, to sort some stuff out. We know... Uh, at least from a New South Wales point of view, from my point of view, I can, in fact, leave the country the first of next month and come back again without having to quarantine, which is bloody fantastic. Australia's decided, or at least this state has decided to reconnect with the world. But I'm still a little hesitant for our race in Victoria. Tommy T, let's yeah. start with you before it's Campy not happen. goes. It's you not don't think happen. so? No, I don't think so. I think... I think this government is not looking <laughs> internationally right now. They're saying all the right things and they're kind of getting forced their hand by the federal government, if anything. Mm. But I have no confidence in that happening. We haven't had our own major sporting events in this state, let alone international ones. So I just don't have the confidence. I'll be happily surprised if it does, but I think there's far too many things to ha- that have to go right in an exact order and time frame that F1's not going to risk it and they're going to pull the pin sooner than later and go... It's too far to commit to coming for you to turn around and turn and shut it down. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. If it was in Europe, different because they can change that somewhat mm. over over a short period of time. Getting stuff to Australia is so much harder than you realize for F1 teams and it is a big commitment. It's months and months of planning ahead to get yep. them here in time for a, a weekend and then send it on back again to go to somewhere like Coda or Canada or these other like non-European based races. So it, it's it's one of those things that is just going to, the decision has to be made sooner than later. And I don't think the Victorian government's in a position anytime soon. Yeah. The, the calendar suggests that it's supposed to be uh, going from two Middle Eastern races. You say, Tommy T, getting stuff sent over is very difficult. Uh, and then it will go to here in Australia on the 10th of April and then it's going to Imola on the 24th of April and then Miami. So they've almost, it's funny that they're doing Imola as the fourth race. They're almost sort of push it, positioning themselves to potentially take just another European race just yep. in case. But yep. look, we obviously don't want to be too down about this. We want the race, absolutely. We just have very little confidence in its ability to do it. And everyone's running around here in Australia at the moment going, it's confirmed we're going to get the third race. But it's like, guys, we had this this year we had a race confirmed up until the point where we didn't. Campy, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, look, you've got to remember our our national government is not the same as our state government. And uh, this state government does what it wants when it wants without fear of retribution or oversight or anything because everyone's in their pocket anyway. So... Um, in saying that, we've got some friends, James, that uh, work 
in and around some political organisations. So I've got some insight into that. It's actually on a uh, a Zoom call with a politician last week. I think I believe he's the deputy opposition leader in Victoria. I can't remember his name, but he's the shadow minister for major events. And he alluded to the fact on this Zoom call that uh, in his conversations with uh, the F1 organisation, their reaction to the way the Victorian government has handled the whole situation over the last two years was an absolute shit show and it was total dictatorship, not willing to work, not willing to compromise on absolutely anything for an international sport. Um, and he said, it, you know, he, he, he said it left a bad taste in his mouth about the way that it had been handled at a governmental level, uh, uh, you know, and basically blew the F1, F1 organisation off. So it wouldn't surprise me moving forward if, you know, the heads of F1 just said, oh, well, we love Australia, we want to keep going. It's mm-hmm. important to be there, but, hey, get rid of Melbourne and move on. So... I think we'll get a couple of Grand Prix before that happens, but there's going to have to be a change of, uh, let's just say, a change of leadership somewhere to guarantee this race in Melbourne for a long time, I think. Um, And, um, yeah, it'll be a shame if we lose it in Melbourne, but, you know, as a business and a multinational organisation like F1, I mean, they're smart boys, they're... They want to. They want to work with people, and if they're getting dictated to by you know a bunch of bureaucrats that are telling the corruption law, and then hey, that's sort of what it is. Uh, Steen has a yeah. following question saying, uh, if Melbourne is no good, what are the chances of F one at Bathurst? I know the answer is nope. there is no chance. Zero. Uh, it is. I don't know if it's an FIA grade one track. I it's know not. obviously GT cars uh, go there, so it's grade two. But I suppose that opens up another question then in a follow-on probably for me, which is there really needs to be more than one grade one track in this country, boys, doesn't there? New Zealand. They've only got huge. a grade two. What about that? It's- Brands Hatch. Well, what, no, not Brands. What's the one in Adelaide called? Uh, Brands Hatch in Adelaide. Yeah, no, Hatch is in the UK. Yeah, I know that. Work. That's why I stopped myself. It's called some <laughs> weird name. Um, the Bend. It's Tail not and bend. No, it's a grade two, I think. Is that a grade two? There's yeah. no other so, grade one. Look, our look, tracks are catered for uh, V8 supercars, V8 supercars. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. 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 um, it's Bathurst all pit, be it's pits and stuff so much more than just the tracks. It's the, the facilities and things that they yeah. have to provide for F1. The, my this point is, is though, boys, we need more. We need more Big than time. one option. So if something like this happens, that we have the ability to pull it into a different area of the country. I agree New Zealand would be great to have a grade one track as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, for Melbourne to be the only grade one track and really it's a park, well, it's Lakeside Drive. For most of the time, you go play yep. golf or do whatever on it. You know, there's, it's not a specific racetrack all the time. There's certainly the ability to do more. Hopefully with, you know, like Ferrari Academy being up here in Sydney, that brings a little bit more attention to that fact and potentially Motorsport Australia can get in someone's ear. And if it's the bend, great. Let's do it. Let's just have something that's an alternate option to to Melbourne. In saying that, though, like what makes Melbourne great for the people that live here, which is entrenched in our DNA, is we are a a sporting city. We've got... You know, we've got 10 professional AFL teams. We've got professional rugby league, union, all the netball styling. We've got two of everything, cricket. Uh, and then we've got the seasonal stuff like the Oz Open, 
start of the year. We got the the Grand Prix. We got the uh, Moto GP. Moto GP in Phillip Island. We've got we've got a spring carnival that's coming upon us, which is horse racing, which I don't particularly love, but entrenched in what we do is sport. And if you look at the participation just in sporting clubs and the percentage, it's it's something ridiculous. Like eighty three percent of families with children under eighteen have some some sort of connection to a sporting club in Australia, in, in Victoria. And, uh, you know, it's what we're built on. It's in our DNA. And for us to have the Grand Prix is a privilege and it is an honour. It does many great things to this city and to lose it and to handle it the way it's been handled. Is, I mean, COVID and what we've dealt with has been tough for everybody in the world. But so for the to be handled the way it has been handled – particularly behind closed doors, in a world that's made everything work and tried to adjust. It's a real shame that Victoria will probably lose this at the next contract negotiation. Yes. It's disappointing. It It is is disappointing. On a sad note. It is disappointing. (laughs) Well, let's, uh, let's leave it there for the questions. Thank you to you for sending them in. We've got heaps more to get through, uh, which is great. My favorite part. Which is which is great. So uh, look, favorite part, and then uh, then we'll talk about what we can expect ahead of the U.S. Grand Prix in only a couple of days' time. But here is your wrong answers only as to why Campy didn't do his homework. Mark says he left it up to the Ferrari pit wall. <laughs> Craig said he was busy with his other job, president of the Dan Andrews Fan Club. <laughs> Jamie said had to go fix his bin. It's been overworked. That's true. <laughs> Thomas said, being a Sparky, he was probably too busy deciding what colour to order his McLaren Speedtail in. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. Darren says a headache, which is probably more true. Hillary said, his beanie got lost and he got stuck in the bin. <laughs> Thanks, Hillary, for the double answer. That was great. Uh, Glenn says, he is writing the upcoming Dan Andrews biography, fanboying so much he lost track of time. <laughs> Harry said... He got lost inside the back of his troopy and Yoni Zal said Aaron Williams was having a his and hers sale. <laughs> good. That's really, really great, yeah, guys. Love that. Well done. Uh, well, boys, a quick a quick word as to what we can expect at Coda, the US Grand Prix. Tommy T, what do you think? Uh, who do you think is going to win it? And what do you think Daniel Ricciardo's chances oh. of getting a podium are? I think it's going to be Red Bull heavy. I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm just I've got a hunch. I think mm. it was a Merc track back in the day, but I think we've seen them kind of swap swap a little bit over these uh, last couple of races. So I think it'll be Maximus with the win. I, I think we'll see a McLaren, hopefully both, get above fifth is what I'm thinking. Above fifth. Yeah. Mm. What do you right. reckon, Campy? Oh, I think all the talk will be about how bumpy this track is. Yes, 99% of what we hear, oh, this is too bumpy, too bumpy, too bumpy. We should do like a bingo card to see how many drivers say it. (laughs) That's a good drinking game. 6 a.m. espresso (laughs) shot drinking game. That'll really mess you up for the rest of the day. You'll be like, oh, I don't know what I can do for work today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look, I, it's, it's going to be a great weekend of sport. Of course, on our sister podcast, on the MotoGP podcast, uh, we've got Misano Take-Two. It's Valentino Rossi's final 
Uh, well, final race there, of course, not the final race of his career just yet, but it is his farewell race. That's going to be interesting. And, of course, as Campy mentioned, I do the Extreme E podcast. There is the Extreme E Island X Prix yes. too, if you so wish to listen to that podcast. Great, uh, great podcast off track. Go listen to it. it I genuinely no, appreciate it. No, You're it being is, serious too, and is, I appreciate it. It's very it unusual. Genuinely, a, it's a cracking podcast too. So. Yeah. And uh, can I just say, it uh, with the announcement of the Jurassic X Prix, at the end of the year along the Jurassic coastline in the UK That's and cool. my ability to leave the country, Do it. you may well yeah. very see me my on, man. on a broadcast for Extreme E this year. Who knows? Yeah, Kiss good. Carlos Senior for us. What can I do to Kiss Carlos, Carlos Senior? Senior? Give him a big smooch. I'll give – yeah, mate, what a what a dude. Just oh, the whole yeah, – if guy. you haven't watched Extreme E yet, just the whole driver lineup is mega. I will be among a lot of driver royalty in every category – thinkable there that's that's for sure hey look if you've been watching along on youtube thanks so much for your company make sure you subscribe and like the video too it all helps the algorithm and a massive shout out to our discord as well lads thank you so much for your time campy look this even though you didn't do your homework uh this (laughs) ended up being a magnificent podcast no detention for you uh no detention for you for this time uh you are close to being suspended though for me having to go through an edit twice (laughs) but (laughs) but uh look we really appreciate you thanks so much for listening and watching and we will be live at 10 30 on sunday morning australian eastern daylight time there will be four of us Uh, doing a pre-drinks podcast, a very special guest joining us for that one too. But until then, it is time to say goodbye, lads. We'll see you very soon. So detailed. Love it. Love this community. I hate this community. They call me on my bullshit. (laughs) 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.